as promised, Sean Kelly. Sean, with uh, Laura on hiatus for a while, I'm delighted to welcome you as her first uh, stunt double. The government's intergenerational report was uh, published last week and we're all getting older and the planet's getting hotter. What's the Treasurer's Oh, well, uh, you know, one reading of it would be to, to duck for cover. Everything coming at us is, is pretty bad and bleak, Philip. And look, this is this is the advantage of talking about the future for governments. They can afford to be a little bit more honest than they are about the present. Uh, you know, politicians find it very difficult to speak honestly about the present. It's going to scare people. It's going to make it seem like politicians have to act right away. So instead, they get out all of their terrible, terrible predictions for the future. But while it sounds like they're talking about the future, what they're really saying is we're doing things wrong right now and things need to change. They're trying to to lay the groundwork for policy changes down the track. The first now, thing that I found surprising was the way Chalmers has stressed the importance of home ownership in the future. Why? Well, because it's really connected to other elements of the economy. And you know, we're used to thinking about home ownership in this binary sense, uh, who owns homes and who doesn't, who can afford them and who can't. Uh, what the intergenerational report gets into is that if you don't own a home when you are older, you end up having to spend more because, of course, you have to pay rent. You also have less accumulated wealth. And those two things combined means you are more likely to rely more heavily on the age pension and perhaps to draw down on your super. So that puts pressure on the budget for all of us. And that's a, that's a really big shift in the way we think about the home ownership debate, away from a binary division and towards something which affects all of us. And of course, home ownership is becoming more and more controversial. I find economics as hard to fathom as theology, but even I can dimly perceive that young Australians will be paying a lot more income tax in the future. Well, look, this is this is the really big thing. As Australia becomes older, uh, what we are also seeing is a shrinking, of course, in the number of, of young people relative to the whole population. And what that means is that while we continue to rely on income tax as the main source of revenue for the budget, the people paying that income tax are a smaller and smaller group. And this is incredibly unfair. And Ken Henry made made comments last week about the intergenerational tragedy because these poor young people are having to pay off the debt, are having to deal with climate change, and at the same time, they're having to pay more of their income in taxes to support the rest of us. Now, that means that enormous things are going to have to change over the next 40 years. The really big question, of course, is does this government have the guts to make the changes that are necessary? Well, talking of changes, does Treasurer Jim have the guts to uh, do something about stage three tax cuts? Uh, look, there there were some briefings this week that suggested the government was only interested in bite-sized chunks of tax reform in the near future. Uh, I, I think that's largely true, but I do still think there is a chance of an adjustment to the stage three tax cuts. One of the options uh, that I suspect will be on the table is some type of a timeshare, perhaps a delay, perhaps a delay until after the election, which would allow the government to kind of elegantly sidestep the accusations of broken promises. I'm not saying it will happen. I, th I think we have to wait and see. Definitely the government in this term or the next is going to have to do something much bigger on tax. But of 
course, the, the problem is governments lock themselves into doing nothing. You know, if the government does nothing this term because it didn't promise it at the last election, and Anthony Albanese always says he only does what he promised to do at the election, then they won't promise to do anything leading to the next election because they'll be too scared of frightening voters. And then they're locked in for another term of doing nothing. So when do they actually bite the bullet is a really difficult question. I'm talking to Sean Kelly while uh, Laura is on hiatus from the little program. Sean, the Business Council uh, wants to see the GST increased. That's surely something that uh, Jim will shun. Oh, look, the the Labor government is definitely not going to go after the GST. Uh, Apart from anything else, it it would scare too many voters, but there's also a a reasonably strong argument that the GST is fundamentally regressive. It places, uh, you know, more of a burden on, on people who are spending more of their income on on uh, services that they can't avoid paying for. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think a Labor government's going to do that. I think the challenge for a Labor government over time is can they find ways to shift, in, shift tax from incomes to assets, to shift tax from what people are earning to wealth in some way. Now, that's a, that will be hugely controversial, uh, but you would hope it happens at some point. The other thing that, that should be done uh, is some type of a tax that relates to climate. You know, a carbon tax is still called for by very respectable economists, uh, but I, I can't see the government going down that exact path anytime soon, but I wouldn't rule out some something in that area at some point in the next two or three terms. Well, of course, climate change is going to cost us a mozza. Uh, The report uh, projects higher damage bills from uh, natural disasters and poorer yields from crops and uh, a fall in tourism revenue even. Right. Well, one one of the obvious points that the intergenerational report makes is that as temperatures become hotter, lots of workers in this country won't be able to work during the middle of the day. So, of course, that is going to cost the economy an absolute fortune. And it's those types of practical effects of climate change that I don't think we've begun to get our heads around. And look, this is one of the government's responses. When people say, well, you guys aren't going fast enough, Uh, you're not doing enough early on, Uh, and, you know, there's some legitimacy to that criticism, One of their big answers is we're redesigning an energy market. Over the next five years, we're trying to create an entirely new market. And if we can do that effectively, then that's going to to deliver a huge bonanza to the economy. And this is a really interesting thing that's happening in countries across the world, especially those run by progressive governments at the moment. Essentially, they're using renewable energy as a way of reviving manufacturing. So in a way, it's a return to the old via the new. To today's events, given that he uh, kicked me out of the chairman's lounge, I'm pleased to see Qantas boss Alan Alan Joyce, there's an interesting Freudian slip, Alan Joyce uh, copping a grilling in this afternoon's uh, Senate inquiry focused on the cost of living pressures. Talk to that. Look, uh, the cost of living inquiry, I think, is a little bit of a fig leaf to get Alan Joyce up in in front of the the Senate. Uh, He is a deeply unpopular man right now. There is this confluence of events. We're coming out of the pandemic. Airline fares are very high. At the same time, it's widely accepted that Qantas's standards have fallen pretty significantly in recent years. Uh, And at the same time, of course, you have Qantas's, uh, uh, you know, 
let's let's call it for what it is, a, a tax on, on workers over the last decade. And, of course, all of that's happening uh, while we have a Labor government in Canberra. Uh, so that makes it pretty difficult for Qantas to continue doing what it's been doing without at least public pressure coming on. But this cost of living thing, Philip, I think is the, is the really major driver. It is putting profits of, of big companies up in lines. Well, we learned today that mortgage stress is as bad as it's been since the GFC. Right. I, I think people are beginning to get very worried. Uh, economic projections are that, that the economy is pretty flat for the next uh, year. That could easily go backwards if this slowdown in China ramps up, which it, it very easily could. Uh, so, you know, people are, people are scared. People are beginning to trim back. We're seeing real changes to spending at, at a retail level. Uh, and that is affecting people's mindsets and is absolutely affecting the way we see companies. Uh, but I would place this in a, in a longer-term trajectory as well, Philip. I would say uh, I would say companies are, are simply – big business is less popular than it was 10 or 20 years ago. I think there has been a shift in the way people, and especially young people, see the landscape. Looking ahead for the week, the uh, Yes campaign uh, will officially launch in South Australia this Wednesday and the government, uh, the government, of course, sees SA and Tassie as key swing states. That's right. And so Anthony Albanese will be announcing the date uh, in South Australia, in Adelaide, uh, obviously targeting that very important swing state. You know, this is going to be a quasi-election campaign. We are going to hear about very little else other than The Voice for about the next six and a half weeks. Uh, the government's going to try at the outset to talk about some other things. It's got some industrial relations announcements and the Prime Minister jets off overseas for a couple of meetings, including ASEAN. So there's going to be this sense that the government is getting on with other things at the start, but Certainly in the last three or four weeks, it is just going to be like an election campaign and that's going to be a very intense thing for the country to experience. Finally, there's been some outrage in the past 24 hours over whether ticks or crosses will be accepted on the, uh, on the ballot papers. Enter stage right, Peter Dutton. Yes, Peter Dutton has gone very, very, very hard against the AEC on this and look, I think this is a pretty worrying turn in our democracy. The AEC has been absolutely beyond reproach. It is admired around the world for the strength of its integrity. And I think it is very worrying when any politician starts to attack it. I think the right context to see this is in the context of the No campaign, which is essentially trying to sow confusion around any issue it can, it can see. Uh, but the implications... I think, are undermining the institutions that underpin our democracy. And I, I really would, would encourage all politicians to stay right away from that. And we should recall the opposition had an opportunity to propose changes recently in Parliament and did nothing. They did, and even more amusingly, Peter Dutton himself, when he nominated at the last election, used crosses to indicate yes, to indicate Yes, that is what I'm doing. Uh, so I think this this argument is a bit ridiculous. Good on you, Sean. Sean Kelly, weekly columnist for The Herald and The Age. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.